Well, good morning. It is so good to be gathered together this morning. If you're joining us via live stream, thank you for gathering with us. It is really good to be together, whether you're online with us or in person. This is important to gather. Um, If you would, please open your Bibles to Psalm 42. I could not have planned a more appropriate local story than what we just heard in light of what we're about to walk through right now. It's truly the Spirit of God bringing this together. What do we do when loneliness, depression, and anxiety are winning? What do we do when God seems far away? Psalm 42 and 43 is a refreshingly honest song about a troubled soul. He's troubled by his own thoughts. He's complaining about the actions of others. He is frustrated with his circumstances, and he's questioning God in the midst of it all. Now, if you've ever found yourself in a battle between faith and feelings, then these psalms are for you. Let's read Psalm 42 and 43. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me, therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan, of Hermon, from Mount Mazar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people from the deceitful and unjust man. Deliver me. For you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy, and I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. 
Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would help us learn from this song how to walk through dark times. Lord, teach us what it means to put our hope in you when it's hard to do it. Help us, we pray, by your spirit. Lift eyes to you. Lift depression and anxiety. Lord, for those who have been in isolation and struggling with fear, all of us can relate. For those who have uh, just been weighed down by depression and anxiety and fear, oh Lord, bring relief and bring grace today, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, church, there are three things I pray we see here in these two psalms, which is one song, really. First, we see the psalmist's experience, his experience. Second, we see his decision. And third, we see his place of rest. First, let's look at his experience. He says, my soul thirsts for God. In other words, God seems very far away from me right now. Many believe Psalm 42 and 43 was originally written as one psalm due to the repetition we see, the unity of theme, and even the Hebrew manuscripts. What we have here in these two psalms is a lament. A lament is a passionate expression of grief and sorrow. It's okay to bring your lament to God. It's a genre of scripture. It's okay for you to bring your sorrow to God. In fact, it's unhealthy not to. And so here we find someone that we can easily identify with. I know I identify with him. What's the condition? What's his condition? It's a depression, a despondency that is rooted in a sense of rejection and removal from God's presence. There's this longing to worship God, to be before the face of God, to be in his presence, and yet the psalmist is unable to do it. It's not his experience. Who is this guy? Who's the author? We're not told much about him. He he is a son of Korah. He's from the Levitical line. He would have been part of that group who would have led the congregation of Israel in corporate worship at the temple of God. Is this man in exile, held captive by enemies? Here's what we know. There were real-life circumstances that this individual faced, challenges of his day that brought him great sorrow and anguish. He was spiritually depressed. He was disturbed. He says he's in turmoil. He feels oppressed. He felt abandoned and forgotten by God. He felt weighed down and overwhelmed. And the internal agony was so real, so deep, so painful that he thought he might die from it feels like 2020 think about it covid economic uncertainty political division our children having to attend school virtually that's enough right there us working from home social anxiety social distancing the unique tensions that come with this unique season unique tensions in our homes Unique fears, fears of all kinds, uncertainty of all kinds. Now, maybe you've had to make some really difficult decisions over the last several months, over this last year. Many people are making very hard decisions in 2020. 
It's weighing heavy on them. Many are feeling a heaviness, a depression that they can't shake. They're in a funk, you could say. Does God seem far away? Have you lost any sense of his presence? Have feelings of God abandoning you led you to believe that he actually has abandoned you? Now, maybe you feel like a failure this morning, like a hypocrite, because maybe you've messed up or you've made mistakes and you feel like you've gone too far. And maybe you feel like God wants nothing to do with you now. Have your emotions twisted your interpretation of reality? Are you experiencing this stubborn depression that you just can't shake? Are you giving way to pessimism or to complaining? Maybe you've grown callous and indifferent. Do you wonder what's wrong with you? Have you thought of running and hiding, giving in, giving up? Are you turning to things that you know you shouldn't in order to escape how you feel? What does panting look like? I've never seen a deer pant for streams of water. I've seen a dog pant. I've seen kids pant. <laughs> Picture dehydration, all right? Just intense longing, cravings not met. I mean, this, this man, he can almost taste and feel the real thing. I mean, think of the last time you were really, really thirsty and, and you thought you had a little bit of drink left, right? You lift that cup, it's, 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 it's empty. You, you're trying to find just a drop. Your throat's dry. What does that feel like? It feels like desperation, It feels like drought. This longing, it involves the psalmist's entire being. My soul pants. So how can a man who longs this much for God's presence experience such dryness, such feelings of separation, right? Feelings of despair and grief. How can a man who who longs this much for God's presence feel like this? It's important for us to know this, that the battle between faith and feelings is a common one. The battle between faith and feelings is a common one. It is common. A worship leader here, a son of Korah who would lead the the congregation in the praise of God's glory and beauty is struggling. He's battling between faith and feelings, right? This is a common struggle among followers of Jesus. It's common among leaders. It's common among pastors. It's common among everyone. If we're honest with ourselves. But I think sometimes when we have that wrestling match going on, we wonder, is there something wrong with me? There's nothing, no, there's nothing wrong with you. It is a common battle. There might be something wrong. There might and most likely is a circumstance causing this anxiety and these, this wrestling match. But there's nothing wrong with you. It's a common battle. Verse 3, his grief is strong. His tears have been his food day and night is what he says. The taunts of his enemies, of those opposing him, possibly holding him captive as an exile, we don't know for sure. But these taunts bring him further into a place of depression. Where is your God? They see the circumstance. They see the wrestling match. They see what's going on with this guy. Where is your God? The external pressures of life have have turned his whole world in on him. You ever feel that way? 
like an object falling deeper and deeper into the depths of the sea. I mean, he feels as if his, his life's just imploding, caving in. That's his experience. And that might be yours today. We see his experience. Now let's look at his decision. Verse four, these things I remember. He's making a decision to remember. He calls to mind something he knows with absolute certainty, God's work in his life. He's calling to mind things that he knows are true. Even though it feels like a distant memory, he remembers the way he led the multitudes in worship to the house of God. And he did this in a particular way with shouts of joy and thanksgiving. Man, it was festive. It was celebratory. It was beautiful. And he remembers. We're called to remember truth about God and in particular what he has done for us in Christ. Do you remember even just last week what we learned at the end of 1 John? 1 John chapter 5, where the Apostle John is writing to a group of churches that are really struggling because uh, people had gone out from them and become false teachers and embraced things about Jesus that were not true, and they were promoting those things. And John is writing, listen, you have what you need in Christ Jesus. You can, with absolute certainty, you can know that you have eternal life in Christ Jesus. These are things that John wanted the church to hold on to. You can know this beyond the shadow of a doubt that you have age to come life, life that transforms you here and now and forever. You have a a relationship with the living God through his son Jesus. You can know this. This It's what John was laboring as a pastor uh, for the churches that he was leading to, to know. This psalmist calls to mind things that maybe were a distant memory, but things that he knew were true. And he doesn't rewrite history here. This is important for us to see. The psalmist doesn't rewrite history. He doesn't dismiss what God has done in his life. And neither should we. He does not dismiss God's past grace in light of the crazy circumstance of the present. God had been at work and he doesn't rewrite history as if God hadn't been working. That's important for us. He fights to remember And in remembering, he fights. He's fighting to remember what is true of God and what God had done in his life. But in remembering, he fights. He fights for faith. Now, you might be tempted to dismiss God's grace or to allow the present darkness to overshadow the light of the past. You might be tempted in that way. God's past grace at work in your life is is like fuel to the flicker of hope. God's past grace, God's faithfulness is like fuel poured onto a flicker that lights just a a beautiful flame. And so we, we look to it and we celebrate it. We recognize it. You might wonder, man, I don't know how I can draw near to God. I'm not sensing his presence at all. But what if you reflect on what he has done to draw near to you? Verse 5, then, is the chorus. It's repeated three times in these two psalms. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. It's a good chorus. Any songwriters out there? I've attempted to write a song or two in my life. 
you find that chorus, that hook, and this is it. This is it. And it's a song we need to commit to memory, and he gives us a practice that we need to imitate. The psalmist is talking to himself. That's the practice we need to imitate. He's talking to himself. He's preaching to himself. You ever ever talk to yourself? My family knows if I start talking to myself, like, leave the room. Things aren't going good for me, all right? So my boys know, like, I'm not, if I'm talking to myself, trying to fix something under the sink in the kitchen, they're like, all right, I'm going to leave dad alone. I'm not going to ask for anything right now. (laughs) He's talking to himself. The psalmist, though, is not talking about talking to yourself that way. The psalmist is talking to himself in a different way. Instead of listening to himself, he begins to talk to himself. Martin Lloyd-Jones says we must talk to ourselves instead of allowing ourselves to talk to us. Here's the idea behind it. He questions his soul. He makes demands of his soul. He announces truth. He proclaims things to his soul that are true. He's preaching to himself. We need to learn to do this. We talk about preaching or bringing the truth of the gospel to others. We need to first and foremost learn how to preach the truth of who Jesus is and what he's done for our lives and what it means now and forever to ourselves again and again and again. We need to remind ourselves of who God is and how he's, how he's pursued us in Christ. Learn to preach those truths to ourselves. He's proclaiming what is true of God. Why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Uh, Listen, life is busy. It's hard. It's filled with all kinds of challenges. Uh, And if we're not careful, we will passively listen to ourselves and to our feelings and be taken on a serious roller coaster ride. I've been on that ride many times. Shoot, this week I've been on that ride. If we're honest with ourselves here. Verse 6. My soul is cast down within me, therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan. He's, he's made a decision to remember. He's remembering again here. He's prevented by distance from participating in worship within the context of community of believers. Remember, he's a worship leader. But the psalmist again turns to his memories, to his sweet memories. But then immediately in verse 7, we we run into this imagery. It's a combination, I believe, of the chaotic waters of creation and the waterfalls of of the Jordan and the pounding waves of the ocean. And all of this imagery, this this beautiful word picture is expressing that he is overwhelmed. He's overwhelmed. I think it's a good picture. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. They're crashing on me. Just wave after wave, pounding. You ever, you ever been uh, trying to catch a wave, whether you're body surfing or actually surfing or just messing around in the ocean, and a wave comes and knocks you down, and you're trying to get up, and another one knocks you down? It's a little scary sometimes. You don't find that in the Gulf too much, but you will on the East Coast. This is how he describes how he's feeling, he's overwhelmed. You might say, hey, listen, I thought he just uh, decided to remember uh, truth about God and where God had been at work. Yes, but that doesn't mean that all, all of his feelings just all of a sudden went away. All of his bad feelings and how he was wrestling. 
Verses 8 and 9, we see the psalmist use the name Yahweh. This is really important for us to see. Verse 8, by, by day the Lord, or we have capital L-O-R-D in our translations. The word is Yahweh. The personal name of God, which is the covenant name of God, which means he who is Yahweh. How God revealed himself to Moses at the burning bush. Remember that encounter. His name reveals something that is true of himself, which he is the ever-present God. He who is, he is Yahweh. And then the psalmist calls to mind God's love. The ever-present God who has covenant love, his steadfast love. And so the psalmist is holding on to truth about God. And then there comes a series of questions in verse 9, which I believe are asked in faith. Look what he says in verse 9. I say to God, my rock. He had just talked about how he felt uh, all of God's waves and breakers crashing over him. Like he had no firm ground to stand on. But now, in verse 9, he calls God his rock. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? What do we learn here? We learn to bring our questions to God. Have you learned to do that yet? You know, God is bigger than your doubt. He's bigger than your fear. He's bigger than your circumstance. He can handle your questions. And so here this psalmist comes, I believe, with faith, bringing questions to the covenant God of love. And he describes his pain. He describes his experience. He describes how he feels, and it's like a broken bone, like an internal rot, like a deadly wound. And then we hear the taunts again. Where is your God? Where is your God? As if that question's just ringing in his ears. Where is your God? I thought you were trusting your God to heal you. Where is he? To come through for you. To provide grace in the midst of this pregnancy for you where is your God haunted by this question but then we hear the chorus that sweet chorus ring out again in verse 11 why are you cast down O my soul and why are you in turmoil within me hope in God for I shall again praise him my salvation and my God he talks to himself again He's acting on the decision that he has made to remember. And he's still caught in this cycle of faith and feelings. And he's still caught in this cycle of of despair and declarations of hope. He keeps pushing, though, against the fear and the doubt. He keeps pushing against the unbelief. You know anyone like this? Can you relate? But then a shift is about to take place. Second half of this song. Part two of this song. He moves from talking to himself to talking to God. And something's different. Something happened. Something changed. And it wasn't his circumstances. Finally, we see his place of rest. We've already heard it announced two times in the chorus. But that chorus rings out again at the end of Psalm 43, verse 5. Put your hope in God. But before that, he he starts this section of the song this way. Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause. 
against an ungodly people from the deceitful and unjust man. Deliver me, rescue me, for you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Vindicate me is what he says. Vindicate me. What's that mean? Defend, preserve, plead my cause, take up my case, rescue me. And then verse 2 in this chapter 43 is so honest. What's he say? For you are the God in whom I take refuge. Oh, that's sweet. What a declaration. But then he goes on to say, why have you rejected me? Why have you rejected me? It's just so honest. Faith involves and looks like honest declarations of what is true of God and honest questions. We can bring our questions to God. He's saying, rescue me. We today might need to cry out this way. Rescue me from the lies I'm believing about you, God. Rescue me from where my feelings have been taking me, God. Rescue me from, yes, my circumstances and from the people that are oppressing me and maybe even the people I'm listening to who are saying, where's your God? Rescue me, Lord. And then in verse 3 of chapter 43, he asks for God's light to guide him, which is an expression of the fullness of God's redemption. Oh, let your light lead me. Let it guide me. And then he asks for God's truth to guide him which is an expression of God's covenant faithfulness and love. Again, let your light and your truth lead me. Lead me on, Lord. And so you can see by this time in this song, hope is building. Hope is building. Plans are being made. Faith is rising. When I say plans are being made, what does he say? Then I will go. There's movement. Then I will go to the altar of God, the place of your presence, To God, my joy and my delight, my exceeding joy. Wow. This man can call God his joy and delight, his exceeding joy in the midst of the the turmoil. And then it ends, verse 5, with that strong chorus. He's playing it on the lyre or the stringed instrument. Call it a guitar. I don't know what the chord progression was. I'm sure it was good. Verse 5, why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. I want you to notice the names that the psalmist has used throughout this song, throughout this lament. I want you to notice how he directs his prayer and this song. He says in verse 2 of chapter 42, he calls God the living God. In verse 5, he says, my salvation. In verse 6, my God. In verse 8, the Lord, or Yahweh, he who is. In verse 8, the God of my life, my life. My rock, verse 9. In chapter 43, verse 2, the God in whom I take refuge. In verse 4, my exceeding joy, my joy and delight. You see how personal he's made this throughout the whole lament? You're my God. You're my rock. You're my joy. You're my delight. I'm in a mess. I'm in, I'm in a funk. I'm tempted to believe these, 
these questions that are coming, coming at me, where, where, where is your God? I'm in turmoil. I can't feel your presence. I can't sense you, God. But I remember where I was at at one time. You're my rock. Why are you so far from me? I feel so messed up. I feel so scattered. I feel so isolated. I feel so afraid. In the midst of it all, he has biblical hope. Hope in God. The hope of a despairing, downcast soul can be placed in God. It has a place of rest. Your hope has a place of rest. And that place is in God. And hope, biblical hope, is not wishful thinking. I've said this before many times. Hope is not, oh, I hope so. It's not what we're talking about. It is certainty. It is confidence. It is expectation that the deeply held, it's a deeply held and acted upon uh, faith and trust that God, God is who he says he is and God will come through on his promises. Let me say that again. I want you to hear it. This is the deeply held and acted upon trust, faith, that God is who he says he is and will come through on his promises. That is what hope is. God is who, who he says he is and he will come through on his promises. And we are holding on to who God says he is and that he will come through on his promises as we even look to the gospel message and what Jesus has accomplished for us. What promises are we holding on to? That by faith in Christ, our sins are forgiven. Shame is lifted. We're made new. That by faith in Christ, I'm made a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old is gone, the new has come. That by faith in Christ, uh, I have eternal life that begins now and will last forever. These are promises that are true in Christ that we're holding on to. We're falling on. We're looking to. That's living hope. That's where rest will come. Rest doesn't come from a change in the circumstance. I'm sorry. It does not come in just a change in the circumstance because another one's coming. Another circumstance is coming. So it doesn't just come in the change of a circumstance. It comes from going to the one who is in and who is above that circumstance. Going to God. And we need help with this. Local church, listen, we cannot do this alone. We need help. And so just like this psalm, though was written by an individual, was written for the corporate gathering of God's people to be held on to and to be sung and celebrated. And for this, this psalm would undoubtedly like a sermon, teach, just like our songs that we sing, teach us truth about God. We need help. And so when we gather like this, when we gather on a Sunday morning, we gather and we listen to sing songs of praise. We gather and we hear the word proclaimed. We gather and we watch each other worship. We gather and we, we watch and we hear each other pray. We gather and we hold elements in our hands to celebrate the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus. And even though we came in and we couldn't even lift our eyes to God or, or, or open our mouth and sing one line of a song, eventually we find ourselves getting it out and singing where moments earlier we couldn't. Why? Why does that happen? Because the truth about God, primarily expressed in his son Jesus, is relived before our eyes, relived before our ears and our hearts and our minds, all of a sudden are revived. You want to talk about the importance of why we gather? 
And that'll do it. I need to be reminded. I need to be revived. I need to be with God's people so I can see the truth about who he is relived before my eyes. Jesus quoted a lament when he hung naked on the cross. Jesus experienced isolation and rejection. He was misunderstood. He was betrayed, filled with pain and sorrow. Jesus endured a deep darkness, the weight of sin, alone on the cross. Do you remember what happened that day? We read about it in a darkness that could be felt, fell over the whole land. Jesus received upon himself the wrath, the just punishment that we deserve because he took our sins upon himself. He literally, he, he became sin for us that he would receive upon himself the punishment that you and I deserve. Jesus lost all sense of the Father's presence. Do you remember what he cried out? Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me? Forsaken so that we would not be forsaken. Jesus experienced an isolation and a separation from the Father, a separation from God's presence so that we would not have to. What will you do when loneliness and depression and anxiety are winning? What will you do when, not if, when God seems far away? What will you do when faith gives way to feelings? Now, I'm not saying that reading two psalms will, will take care of everything. Like, take two psalms and call me in the morning. I'm not saying that. I'm aware that it might take time. But I'm also aware that the power of the Holy Spirit is here today and able to lift anxiety. Able to lift that heaviness that you've been walking under. Able to bring you to a place of newfound freedom. And I've been asking God to do that in your heart, in your life. And he's able. But I'm also aware that we need to find our place of rest in God, not just today. But again and again and again. Because if it's not COVID, what will it be? If it's not social anxiety or distancing, what will it be? It's coming. There's something coming our way. How will we face it? Psalm 42 and 43 have taught us how to face it. These psalms lead us to a, a place of rest in the midst of depression and anxiety. Allow these psalms to lead you to that place of rest. Allow the truth of Jesus to lead you there again and again and again. That you can say with the psalmist, why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you. Thank you for what you have taught us about how to battle. To battle. When we're in that fierce battle between faith and feelings, you're teaching us how to look to you, how to rest in you. You're teaching us the importance of remembering what is true of you. 
You're teaching us the importance of being able to, to fall on you and look to you and bring our questions to you, that none of it's too great, doesn't take you by surprise. Father, I thank you, we thank you, that we have a place of rest in you. A certainty, an assurance, a confidence that we can look to you, even in our darkest moment. We thank you, Lord. Amen.